0: Hey, everybody, and thank you for joining me. This is Richard Listens, and this is the Richard Listens Show. I'm Richard Olberger, clinical psychologist. I'm grateful for all the wonderful contributions and guests we've been having lately. Thank you again to all my subscribers, for all of you who've been signing up for email lists, signing up on our Patreon.com page to support the show, Patreon.com slash Listens. Instagram at Richard Listens. Please tweet at me, Instagram. Thank mm-hmm. you. Facebook. Sign up, subscribe, and listen. Please take the time, send this to two friends that you think might like the show. Without further ado, I'm going to be inviting on Shirley, my guest today. So today we have the privilege, someone I've known, I believe, since it's probably going on 15 years, years, that's what I was going to say, since he was a young lad taking California from Toronto. But he is the founder, owner, CEO of at Level 7 Corporate Coaching. but He was the former executive director of Spirituality for Kids International, which I was at one point a lowly volunteer. He's had all the top positions, so he's going to fill in uh, which ones we've missed. And today we are going to talk about both corporate coaching and the ways to tap into your passion, something this show is about. It's about for me. This is about putting my passion forward and speaking to all of you and having guests that are amazing and have made some sort of transformative journey in their life, push them in a different direction. And it's about learning how Yosef does that for his clients as well, and to tap in a little bit to how he's come about this major shift in his own professional career, now that he is a fine, astute young man sitting across from me. Uh, without further ado, our guest today, Mr. Yosef Segi. So thank you for being here. So tell us a little bit about Level 7, what you've been doing. I know I tried to get you on, you were traveling yeah so you don't keep in place long. so how is this all manifesting for you I mean it's it's like are you targeting California I mean how are you going about building level seven and what was the impetus behind it that's a great question and I'd love to be here and say that I've got it all figured out
1: but the truth is that more about the process and definitely feel like I'm in process now I moved from being a career employee different levels on many different levels from starting off from Starbucks and ending up in an executive position in my last job, I've, I was a career employee. I did that for a I never got life. a latte from you. Was that? Was that? that was, I was. I wasn't still in Toronto. Oh man! By the time I was here, I was serving uh, phone fire pizzas and samoussak at bibis. Wow! Mm-hmm. I love samoussak. But it, it actually for those of you who've never had it, <laughs> describe to us what a samoussak is. It's like a Mediterranean calzone. Oh, yes. <laughs> Except different things can go in it. It doesn't have to be cheese and tomato sauce. <laughs> <laughs> Potatoes <laughs> could be feta
0: cheese. It's a surprise. Awesome. Save that. Save that for a date night right Yeah, there.
1: I do. I have my <laughs> I have my dish, signature dishes that I used. But it's, in, it's actually, that's, I think, part of the journey. It's an interesting journey. I found, you know, in retrospect, if you, it's, I think all of life is about perception. You can look back at yourself and say, wow, I wish I did things earlier. I wish I became an entrepreneur earlier. But I really noticed how everything in my life led me to the next job. Like in very short, you know, I, my first job was Starbucks and I was a barista and then I became like a shift supervisor there and I learned a little bit about the ins and outs and they're super organized so when I moved to Los Angeles and I didn't really uh, have like anything here I found I just found the first job that I could get just something that I could have you know to make some money when I moved here and I found this bakery that I worked at and because they were like a mom-and-pop shop they weren't very organized and so me coming from Starbucks I, sa- I said to them like on my first week I was like hey I think you know you should do this and this and this you change the flow of the pay- and stuff like that, and you know, you'll get more sales. And the guy turns to me and goes, You want to be the manager? <laughs> <laughs> so, you just post the pieces in the oven and take them out before they burn. But does this mean I could be here less and you could take over war? Once? <laughs> that's exactly what happened. So, I became the manager, and that which led me right into my next job where I was doing property management because now I've developed all these management skills from my job in the restaurant. So, I became a property manager, but in some of the more challenging neighborhoods in LA like Watson South Central that's where I was uh, managing different properties and that sort of gave me an eye to see you know I grew up in Toronto it's one of the safest cleanest cities and so it gave me like a different perspective and I saw how the kids there were growing up and at that same time I started volunteering with spirituality for kids That must have been a little bit of a shock I just didn't know better and I was just doing my job it was heartbreaking because I've always had this even before I became a coach I have always had this nurturing side and I I was trying to coach my tenants for making bad mistakes but their bad mistakes were things like hey don't let this drug dealer into your life <laughs> you know hey don't involved with this person or that other person in the building because then what are the repercussions I had a lady who lost her apartment lost her kids lost her job all within the span of a month because she let the wrong person into her life and I tried to coach her out of
0: it but and this is what a key I point do, right because you have we always talk about people their professional accomplishments right yeah. But the whole person I mean you of how many siblings? I'm the oldest of eight. All full siblings?
1: No. Me and my sister are full. I have two stepsisters and four half siblings.
0: I didn't realize you were the oldest. I'm the
1: oldest. You can't see that I have a complex around that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think that's when I met you. I mean, there's a lot of management skills. Like, there's probably a lot of chaos and other things that it causes too. And having to go out and create your own path in a certain way because the attention needs to be divided, I'm sure. But I wonder how much of that, like, nurturing and coaching side came from having siblings. Truth is, I think that
1: if you're really tapped into to yourself, then you notice that everything that happened to you in your childhood, all those things that we call traumas your, and those things that you work so hard to help your clients work through. the other on the flip side, they're what have set us up with all of our skills and all of our gifts and everything that we're meant to do. And, and for some reason or another, as a child, I, I had a period where I was like very resentful and regretful. I didn't feel like I had a childhood because I was busy taking care of other people in my life. The oldest too. Uh, you're the oldest I two, you that too, you <laughs> know. Not for though, man. It was less with uh, the siblings, it happened more in other ways, but I felt like I really missed out on my childhood and I was resentful for that for a moment, but I realized that that's what built me up. I went and I got my coaching certification and the uh, diploma and all that, but I didn't need that to do what I did. I had those skills built in. I couldn't do anything but what I'm doing because of the way that I was raised. And when I understood that as part of the big picture, you know, it gave me a lot of like clarity about it and a lot of it was just like a breakthrough for me. And the same with like every job led me to the next job. Like so I went from that job and I was doing property management in bad neighborhoods. But at the same time I was volunteering with spirituality for kids and we were working with kids from the same neighborhoods and no one knew what they were going through as well as I did. Because I was there in the trenches. I was there like in the buildings and seeing how they were being raised. There were buildings that we had and in the hallways there were used condoms, used diapers, used needles and the kids
0: would be home without their parents and I knew that and not all the teachers could relate to that. So here's what I want to know from you right now because, you know, as a psychologist, our job is to hold a lot of that emotional weight for people and yeah. um, there's a trend of sensitivity and pain and knowing what somebody else is living through. Yeah. Yet in your role, when I saw you facilitating or teaching curriculum behind spirituality for kids, I think you were up there animated, energetic and you don't really seem to hold that pain. So how do you make that shift or how do you help your other clients turn that knowledge about who they're trying to help and turn it into fuel rather than kind of a source of sadness. I must have been hiding it really well back then (laughs) (laughs) because what you were saying before, the pain,
1: especially back then, I carried it actually. If you believe in astrology, I'm a Cancerian. I have six sisters. I was around a lot of emotion my whole life. Mm So I always grew up very empathetic and I wouldn't actually just feel the pain all the time and I wouldn't go home. I was drained all the time. And even when I left that and I started coaching I was the same way and then I had a switch that sort of came on for me when I started coaching and I realized wait a second I'm not fixing people in fact people aren't broken there's nothing wrong with anybody it was like a huge like shift for me when I realized that I don't need to fix people and people aren't broken I'm just facilitating their self-exploration and their own growth process that just mental shift created a tremendous amount of levity for me and I didn't carry that same weight actually I would come out of my sessions energized instead of heavy and weighted and that now having to recharge myself my sessions recharge me so it's not that I don't feel the pain and actually like I, I feel but less from a place of sympathy or even empathy but more from like a place of compassion of really going in there and, and I think that compassion actually helps to re-energize us you don't just transmit what you say or the advice you give or how you lead the people through what you do you transmit your beingness in your conversations with people. So if you have heaviness about yourself as you're helping people, in a way you're transmitting that heaviness onto them and they feel that. If you have a sense of levity about how you do things and you add humor to things, that's why humor is important, and all those different things, then you transmit that over to them as well. And then they get to have that. And so I I think we have sort of this tendency to, when someone's heavy, to want to be heavy, but some people like commiserate from that place. So this idea of like, how can I bring the hope in for them as well? So not just the understanding, which is important and the sympathy and all of that, but how can I bring in the sense of hope, the
0: sense of optimism into what they do as well?
1: I have to be that for them to be that.
0: This is a really key point, And I think that gives purpose to the coaching work is creating the hope. But you know, Peter Levine, I've introduced on the show, the author of Somatic Experiencing and the major philosophy that I use in my work, often talks about, you know, the need for the nervous system to kind of be able to fluctuate between parasympathetic you know resonant and these states mm-hmm. of activation stress traumatic yeah. you know uh, things like that so the thing is I think there's always this feeling of like oh if they go into that dark feeling yeah. well well, I want to get them to feeling good right Right? I think that would like became my identity is like oh I want to I just want to make you feel better yeah. I want to put the rose you know but at least you know at least you're trying but at least you're fighting against your environment and and the thing is That it's not trusting That within that dark place That painful yeah. place I don't want to go that But the painful place Is the understand The clarity You're talking about yeah. That helping somebody Feel supported In that place Or Learn new skills From that place Of what was once painful yeah. Gives them then Their own uh, Direction forward And their own sense Of understanding About what that pain Means to them Or why it's come to them Because sometimes It's not a new pain If you've, if you've been in an environment like you're talking about, or a case of people who come to me and they say, "Well, you know, I haven't had anything traumatic happen in my life, but let me tell you what's happened to my parents or to my culture." Yeah. And people are holding all of that, yeah. not, and they don't understand why it's affecting them. They, they kind of feel like shameful, like "What's wrong with me? I should be, I should be fine." <laughs> More. Right, because from our adult selves, we look at, our, at what happened us in our childhood
1: and we compare it to other people and we go, well, it's not that bad. But when you go to a child's perspective, for them getting a lollipop taken away is traumatic, and that's what gets stored in them. Is that emotionality gets stored in them, and so your adult self is like, well, that's silly. And that's actually something I struggled with because I'm like, I didn't have such a bad childhood. My parents got divorced, but so do like 80% of all of the parents. So like, right, how you feel about it? Right. So what's the big deal? Like I well, what's the big deal? And I really took a look at it from the perspective of my child, my inner child, and what my inner child suffered through. And every time I tell him, oh, that's not a big deal, I'm, it's like I'm not validating that child's feelings. It's like the same thing that happened in my childhood. I'm not validating my inner child's feelings by saying that's not a big deal or by rationalizing why people, when people are offensive to me or when people are flaky on me and stuff like that, and I rationalize their behavior and not validating my child's behavior, which is my emotional so we keep to acting up. And no wonder I get frustrated and angry or depressed or with other things that go on because I'm not validating those emotions. And I think that that's what happens to a lot of us. We want to be like high performers and we want to be good examples so we don't show that vulnerability. But the truth is we need to validate that child and then go and do that dull stuff after.
0: What do you do? I mean, I want to know more about, you know, your journey and what pushed you to really fully... First of all, you joked about the sketch comedy stuff. Yeah. I mean, you do have a part of yourself that's like, loves to ham it up and can totally run with that profession. I mean, you seem to really love being in I the do. soap opera star <laughs> oh. I moved to L.A., that's what I
1: thought I would be doing. I moved to L.A. when I was 20, and I thought I was going to be an actor. And actually, I went to an astrologer at the time, and she was like, there's two things you could do with your life. And I didn't tell her anything. She goes, you can be an actor, or you can be a teacher. I'm like, yeah, of course I want to be an actor. And what did I end up being? Teach <laughs> a teacher. Teacher. So sometimes we make plans, and the universe laughs, right? That's what I was trying to get myself into originally, but what ended up happening the way my life flowed was to go into more of a teacher role. And it came full circle when I came back from my role as an executive director in, in South Florida for Spirituality for Kids. And they brought me over to Los Angeles and I wrote, produced, and acted in the current curriculum, which is all online. So yeah, That's right. And you were Mr. Wise? I was right? Mr. Wise.
0: So wise, not Mr. Wise. You, <laughs> Mr. Wise. Mr. Wise was wise, though. <laughs> he was. Yeah. So tell us a little about, I mean, so you found some way to integrate both.
1: Yes. Sort of like a little gift from the universe. Like, remember when you went to do that, here, we're going to give you the chance to do that now. So that was that was really nice. And I got to work on two whole projects. There was a team of us that worked on it. We did it twice. So we basically produced two full feature-length movies like in terms of the length of what we did with zero experience in the industry. And we did a pretty good job. We talk about learning things and learning new skills.
0: Yeah, we talk about building the plane as you fall. Right? <laughs> yeah. But for any of you who have not, the classes are still accessible on Yeah, I think they're accessible online. I think now they're paid for. Like, you have to pay for it to access it. But relatively for the cost, I mean, I have tons of families, parents coming to me looking for skills and trying to figure out, you know, here's what my 8-year-old, 12-year-old, 13-year-old is going through. And so for a model that incorporates a way for parent and child to work together and work learn skills together, I think it levels the playing field. It builds the trust of the child or adolescent. So I do think it's not revolutionary, but a lot of people are looking for this, and I think this platform is, it's a gift for uh, getting families to realize how they can face their situation together, yep. and build some further connection and deeper meaning out of it in a really fun way. It's really important. It's what we taught
1: social-emotional education. It's what's not taught in schools. It's what's really necessary, and that's actually what inspired me to like continue with my career and take it in another direction, because I was working with the kids, but I was also working with adults in order to work with kids. And every time I'd work with adults, whether it was facilitators like you, training other teachers, working with the film staff, teaching all the things, all of them were saying, like, wow, these concepts are, like, really important for adults, too. I'm like, yes. For some reason, people always want to make classes for adults complicated. But the truth is that it's easy to make something complicated. It's hard to make it simple.
0: It seems like everyone these days is trying new workout systems. Some people go to the gym. Others may run. But I've recently discovered a great in-home method that is absolutely amazing. I'm taking Injitsu classes online where I'm being trained and pushed in real-time by top MMA fighters straight from the octagon. Injitsu.com provides real-time classes so you can get a top-notch workout from the comfort of your own home. These classes are absolutely going to sell out. So head over to Injitsu.com slash Richard Listens to get your first class for free that's i n j i t s u dot richard listens protecting your child's teeth is important in any sport that's why impact dental designs has put so much thought into their state-of-the-art mouth guards protecting athletes in youth sports all the way up to advanced mma fighters and champions And the best part is you can customize your own design for your own creative and fun mouthguard. So head over to impactdentaldesigns.com slash richardlistens. And if you purchase now, you get a free customized design and 20% off your order. You might have to Repeat that again That was profound
1: Right there easy <laughs> to make Things complicated It's hard to make It simple Yeah We want
0: to make Things complex Because we
1: conflate Complexity with depth But it's not true The deepest things Are the simplest things
0: Show us So you gotta So if you have A client who's stuck yeah. With making things Complex I mean Or being stuck With that kind of Spiral you talked About Of not being able To embrace Their own You know That validation thing That they're confused About which may be Causing some sort of of identity conflict or how do you identify that and how do you turn that into their choice of career work like they said the word identity I think a lot of the work
1: is around identity you know we've heard a lot of these key phrases you can't out earn your identity right and I think a lot of the idea is that the reason why we're doing things we don't want to do is because of the identity that we put on ourselves and when we recognize our true identity which is our true purpose which is the reason that we were here the problem that we solve that no one else can solve the value that we bring that no one else can bring, when we can recognize that and allow ourselves to be that, because it's hard for us to allow ourselves to be that, because society wants something else for us, and our parents want something else for us, and religion wants something else for us, and we've decided that we're supposed to be something or be someone, and we've raised this tremendous importance of how I'm supposed to show up, and all those things get in the way of who I really am, and when we allow ourselves to be who we are, then we can really connect to the depth of it, and it's what I help people do, but it's, um, I'm just reminding I'm, like, a little bit shook up today because there's this really sweet girl. Her name is Claire Wineland. Have you guys heard of her? Her father like, a really big speaker. He talks about, like, how to create healthy sexuality in men and women and couples. But she rose to be her own, like, amazing girl. And she suffered from cystic fibrosis. Uh, but she was, like, a speaker and a YouTube personality and uh, talked about very positive things from a very young age. And she suffered from cystic fibrosis. And she would do these YouTube videos with the oxygen pipe around her nose and all of that stuff and she knew that she only had a certain amount of days on this earth and she went through a certain point where she was like just accepting of the fact that she's not going to be around for much longer and that she didn't want to go through a transplant or anything like that and she just wanted to live her life you know and like let it end when it needs to end and then she had this like tremendous awakening when it got close to actually like, like hey I don't have a lot of time left that I haven't done everything I'm supposed to do here and that woke her up. It wasn't about her living longer because she let go of that. It wasn't about anything else except for I haven't done my purpose. I haven't done what I've left to do in this world. And then she put herself on the list for the lung transplant. And a couple weeks ago, she got, she was supposed to get it a little while back. And then she got sick because there was mold in her house and there were complications. And then she lost too much weight and she had to gain weight. And they didn't think that she was going to make it or be able to get the transplant. She made it through. She got the transplant. After she got the transplant, there were complications. She got a stroke and she went into a coma and yesterday she passed away wow. and it's such a tremendously shocking and heartbreaking story because I've been following you because I haven't seen a lot of examples of being so much in their purpose as much as she was and so aware of what she's supposed to do and have the clarity over it and you see her crying and you know that the tears aren't for herself but for what she's meant to do and the people that she's meant to affect and the value that she's meant to bring in this world and that's what she wanted and when she finally went for it and then she passed away and then I thought I'm like, wow, how heartbreaking that she went to all of that and then
0: she passed. Thank you for sharing that example. I, mean, I think that's a big part of the book, Presence. I just finished and um, was about, like, yeah, the awareness of, and we hear it, you know, in different ways about. I think she knew her identity. And when she recognized it so strongly, she was like, I have more to do here. I have more to give. Like, yeah, example. maybe it's a more crystallized identity. I'm talking about how early life, maybe traumatic type situations, then develop these deeper reservoirs of skill mm-hmm. and in just the simplest essence helps you to understand somebody or to support them in a way which then you don't even know how you've impacted them. You have this tremendous quality, Richard, of like. <laughs> and you
1: look at you like you've become like, you've got this tremendous like quality of empathy. And the way that you're connecting to her story, I can see like how your emotions are welling up and it's like coming up, you really feel people. You can't do anything but what you're doing. And the reason that you attracted Richard into your life is like, again because of your beingness, of who you were. When we're inauthentic, we'll attract things that are inauthentic to us and then we get upset why it doesn't work out. When you're authentic, then you attract what's meant for you. I actually like, just like, what's meant for you will be for you when you are who you're meant to be. Always trying to see what everybody else is doing and trying to follow other people's examples, especially in this age of social media. How do I get my Instagram to be like so-and-so's Instagram? How do I get that many followers just like the other person's doing? Maybe I should copy their fashion style or what they're doing and all those different they are copying other people the people who are actually making it are the people who didn't copy anyone and did their own thing right right. in every industry in the music industry like Michael Jackson stood out because he did something different and then there's a bunch of people trying to be Michael Jackson where are they right right it's not the same thing right so it's like you have to allow yourself to be you and not get confused by the Joneses or by the person with the most followers or any of those things allow yourself to be you look how beautiful you are as a person look how beautiful you are as a person you are enough as you are and when you allow yourself to recognize that it's enough just who you are then you add value that no one else can bring when you try to be somebody else
0: then you're duplicatable when you allow yourself to be you no one can do what you do you stand out from your competition and I'm sure you run across that with your clients yeah, so when somebody has reached a level of success whether it be financially or notoriety in a certain way and then you know they're looking for you know but who am I and what is my mm-hmm. unique gift how do they make that shift because they've gotten this kind of value validation in a certain way like only focusing on mm-hmm. outer beauty you know not that pageant winners uh, you know now have multitudes of skills but I mean right but there could be this inner calling of like wait a minute but I have a voice I have a passion to share with people about seeing the world through the lives of somebody a family with disabilities or quadriplegia you know so how do I balance this right on the one hand like I have this platform mm-hmm. the other hand, maybe my fulfillment there's something telling me I want to find a way and that's trouble in
1: our culture in general it's not just about pageants or sports or any of those different industries across the board we have this thing like I used to work at a WeWork and on every wall it says respect the hustle hashtag hustle Mm -hmm. like right there's this idea of having to hustle of setting goals and achieving your goals are in an achievement culture our schools are super obsessed with achievement which actually stops the kids from actually doing well and so we have moved into this place which can make you feel very powerful. For a moment, as we know when you set a goal and you achieve it, you feel powerful. Like the goals are fleeting. As soon as you achieve your goal, you it's like a high that you get, and then you need to set another goal to be able to get there again. And so it's like an addiction that, in a way that you're constantly having to set a new goal and achieve another goal. And if you're not in that constant space, as soon as you take a break, it's never enough. It's never enough. And so it doesn't matter how much success you've created, if that's your mindset, it'll never be enough for you and you'll never really be happy. And so the idea is to shift from a place of achievement from a place of setting goals to a place of understanding who you're meant to be because if you're focused on being rather than doing then you can be at any moment it's not about what you've done it's who you are right now you get the fulfillment from being who you're meant to be instead of the person who needs to achieve so you're constantly in that state and then you get to do that in every moment in every interaction and there stops being this separation between your career and your life that's why people don't have work-life balance because every Everything becomes as part of like a giant life mission of this is what I do. And I'm just going to allow myself to do that in my interaction with my family, with my friends, at work, in everything that I do. This is who I am. You branded this, Richard listens. That's who you are. It's a part of who you are. You're a listener. It's not just your career. It's who you are. Right. So like the more that you can delve into the depth and really recognize who you are and allow yourself to be that all the time. Guess what? Your clients will come to you you because the people who need what you have to offer when you're clear about we what you have to offer and you're so clear about how it has to be you and only you not from place of ownership or control from place of just claiming and knowing yourself then most people will have to work with you this is my <laughs> free coaching session right here. <laughs> but for everyone who's listening watching at home that you start knowing yourself from starting to let go of everybody else's opinions you start having to detach yourself from from groups. You have to detach yourself. That doesn't mean you don't love your family, but you detach yourself from their family and their opinions. You detach yourself from your friends who are all constantly telling you what you can do and what you can't do. And if you really look at your friends, do you really want to be in the situation they're in most of the time? Or are you looking to go to the next level? They're limiting themselves and they want to put those limits on you. You want to detach yourself from any system of thought, political, religious, spiritual, any type of system that holds you back and puts limiting beliefs on. On you and when you detach yourself from everybody else's opinions it's gonna be a little bit scary because it's a bit lonely in that space but when you allow yourself to be lonely and when you allow yourself to be in the scary place in the confusion in the potential like failure of not knowing when you allow yourself
0: to be in that you discover something on the other side of that was I mean yeah there's something I appreciate you saying that because so many of my clients when I come in they finally give themselves and it's this constant fight of what's expected from them what you know what their parents tell them this should be what, what is the logical next step? Where do they make more money to survive in in, in Los Angeles? And when I can finally get to what they're passionate about, and I can shut my own brain off to say what they're passionate about it does not matter if it needs my approval either, yeah. just because they've come to see me. You can develop a few mentors or close friends who know you well, I think, and that can kind of help you in staying on this path towards authenticity. I think having a coach or a therapist or, or close friends or training buddies, I mean, I think some people kind of reflect back to you. So this inner work of looking at, right, am I happy? And if so, like, right, you know, for me, it was I'm doing what my degree and title have aligned me to be and where I can make degree of success. On the other hand, I mean, at least by my my parents' standards, right, six figures and uh, benefits from the county of Los Angeles. How can you ever walk away? People really looked at me like I was crazy. In a way, it was a great experience because I had to go like... Like Joseph said, it was really lonely to go and be like, yeah. every day, am I supposed to go back there? Like I was waiting for someone to come and wave some sort of sign <laughs> at 7.30 in the morning, get in my car and every day and I'd be like, no, you have to create this structure for yourself. And so it continues to be the struggle. It continues not to be easy. And that's why every time I sit down here with, in the studio with you know guests like yourselves and co-hosts, I'm inspired because it's like, well, this is where I need to be and this is feeding that process of getting deeper into passion, cure connection, you know, and that's why we always joke, like, we should really have the camera on 10 minutes before and 10 minutes after because the conversations that you two are having, it's instantaneous, like, you know, we should just go out of here and brainstorm on how to create a project or a company to help the world because the people that come together who are trying to share their voice, their vision, their passion, their journey, it's expansive. So, for anyone who is a barista or making a Sambusek or a calzone, (laughs) if you're on the East Coast and you're like me and you're waiting four tables at a restaurant. Four different places. Yeah, you know, getting your inspiration, having your ideas, looking for people to bounce creativity off, create your side hustle or whatever it may be. You know, maybe initially you can't go and launch your whole full time career, but I'm a big fan of you know start where you're at. That's sort of like the next step after like you start detaching yourself
1: from other places. Mindfulness is a lot about awareness, as you want to increase awareness of your experience. We're always thinking either about what we did wrong in the past or what we want to do in the future. And then we have worries and anxieties about both of those different things. And it's hard to you can't outthink your thoughts. It's like literally it's impossible because you have thoughts and you have negative thought patterns. And so what happens is you try and think yourself out of them, but you're using the problem maker to try and solve the problem. So you can't do that. So in order to get sort of like out of your mind, you gotta get a little bit more into your body. And that's what mindfulness is about is just being aware of the experience. Because the truth is if you really think about it, truth is that the only thing that we know for sure is that we're having an experience. Everything else you can't can't know anything for sure. Science tries to prove things and always disproves itself. You have different religions saying different things. Nobody agrees with each other. How can they all be true, right? Different spiritual systems say different things. Is there a God? Is there not? You can't prove or disprove God. You You can't prove that anything particular is true. But there's one thing that I know is happening is I'm having an experience. Am I a human being on earth? Am I a character in a computer game? Am I in God's dream? I don't know any of those things. I don't know if all of you exist outside of me, or maybe I'm a crazy guy in a psych ward talking to a wall, and all the is in my mind. I don't know any of that, but I do know I'm having an experience. So mindfulness is all about getting into the experience and saying, hey, what's going on with me right now? And just being aware of that. And that's how you start getting to know yourself a little bit. Any kind of cue
0: where you can get back into your body, I regularly ask people to pay attention to their feet. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're getting so busy in your thoughts and the speed of emotional reactions, usually relieving the lower part of our body and not paying attention to just our connection to physical objects mm-hmm. and sometimes just slowing down respiration really working on some deep five deep breaths or something to that effect where there's a letting go process and some awareness like yeah i'm having a really bad day i'm really angry right now where you can describe the process rather than continuing kind of reactionary cycle it reduces the effects of whatever could be perceived as traumatic right rather than getting snowballed in. so that ability to negotiate for people People, that they can they have the power to control for that there are these opportunity points where we can shift or in fact turn something painful into meaningful well that's the whole you know Viktor Frankl man search for meaning logotherapy it's like I could be in the worst atrocities known to man but if I have the power to connect even to the enemy to the guard you know if I can tell a story if I can get in touch even my imagination or connecting with a fellow prisoner or you know if I a purpose in surviving this journey. The more I'm aware of that, and the less I'm connected to the hopelessness and helplessness. And mm-hmm. like one of those makes my body feel better. And when you look at the effects of psychophysiology uh, like and how people's bodies responds to fighting illnesses and things like that, just the power of hope or or even believing. For some people, there's been studies on intercessory prayer from a distance, believing people are meditating for you or supporting you makes a big difference in the psyche. And he also said
1: that the one freedom that can never be taken from us is the freedom to always choose our perspective or our attitude in any given situation. Anything else can be taken away from us, but that can't be.
0: Yes, thank you. So, we're near closing up here. I want to give Yosef a chance to plug himself, a chance to go ahead, Yosef. Sure. So,
1: anyone out there who's having a a bit of a challenge identifying what's your purpose, what you're meant to do, or maybe you have a sense of uh, what you're doing, but you want to take it to the next level, you still feel a bit of disconnected from purpose you want to create something in what you do and you want help with that I'm here for you you can find me at uh, facebook.com level 7 coaching or www.level7coaching.com either spelled out or the number 7 both will lead back to me and I would love to be here for you to help you discover that and use it focusing more on the one-on-one or the group coaching right now which you look for uh, right now I'm doing more of the one-on-one work but I'm open to doing group coaching Opportunities
0: as well. I'm Richard Listens. Here's what I'm reading I'm reading Influence by Robert Cialdini on persuasion and your speaking. So, something I'm working on as well as being a listener is when I do speak and when I do use words to help do so effectively. Thank you all for tuning in. I appreciate it. Please, if you can, check out my Patreon page.com, patreon.com Richard Listens, or Instagram. Richard Listens. You get the theme. We appreciate all your support and interest. We're now up on iTunes, Spotify. If you're interested in therapy, teletherapy, any kind of consultation, please don't hesitate to reach out to me through my website, richardlistens.com. I'm happy to help and support in any way through any kind of strain, support, or isolation you are going through. We are here to alleviate strain and suffering. Thank you all for tuning in. I'm Richard Listens, and I'm out. I'm a big fan of MMA sports. It's rough and elegant at the same time. I think my number one fear of stepping into a ring like that would be protecting my teeth. Luckily, the guys over at Impact Dental Designs have created an amazing mouthguard that is state of the art. These mouthguards are currently being used by some of the best MMA fighters. But even better, they can be tailored to any sport. Football, hockey, boxing, soccer, the list is endless. Head over to impactdentaldesigns.com slash RichardListens to get 20% off your order and a free customized design for your mouth guard. Lastly, I'd like to proudly mention our sponsor, InJitsu.com, providing remote at-home training from some of the world's top MMA fighters. These classes are not pre-recorded. These trainers come to you live and coach you for the duration of the session. I've personally taken a few of these classes and I've never felt so inspired and accomplished in a workout session. They'll leave you both on the floor in exhaustion and with a drenched shirt. There are still slots available for online classes, so head over to InJitsu.com slash RichardListens to get your first class free. That's injits ucom com Take care everyone.